nine months ago, I was uh, I was taking a class. Now, I, I'm working on uh, my second master's degree right now. I was taking a class. I don't even remember what, what class it was. But uh, it was the first class that I took, you know, in a semester. And, and what I did, because I knew it would be a busy semester, was I ordered all of the books about three months before classes started, and I read all the ones that I could easily read first so that when I got to the time that the classes started, all the books would be read, and it made it a lot easier to handle the course load. And I, I, I got one of the books, and I knew about when in the syllabus it would turn up, and um, I had a short little essay I had to write on it. Everybody with me? So I had the book. I'd read it about two months earlier, and I, I on Thursday of this week, I was supposed to write an essay on it. Now, Tuesday night... I sat down to write my essay. I got home from work. I had worked at Basher, and I, I got home at around 11 o'clock or midnight. And I sat down to, to write my essay, and I pulled up the syllabus, and I read the specific assignment, and I got out my book, and I, I noticed a problem. I, I had the right author, and I had a similar title with a three-word variation, which meant that I had a completely different book which I hadn't, you know, which I had read, but I hadn't read the right book. And I had a moment of, of absolute panic when I realized that, that I was in all kinds of trouble, right? So I, I went on the internet and I started looking for a copy of this book. Now, Northern Indiana is a little less rural than where, where we are now, right? But it, it's not really the center of the universe. It's not Chicago. It's not New York. Um, so I'm, I'm looking for this book. And none of the local bookstores have it in their inventory. And, and I'm getting a little nervous. And, and I start looking on Amazon. Now, the problem with Amazon, of course, is that I can't have the book next day aired to me because it will show up the day that the paper, you know, the short essays do. And, and so I start looking at locations for warehouses. And, and this is in northern Indiana. I found a copy of the book in Grand Rapids, Michigan. That's about four hours from where I lived. And I thought, well, it's a warehouse. And I started researching the name of the company that was selling it. And I found a, a review of the bookstore and a photograph. It was a very pretty little bookstore. And I thought, well, that's great. The next day was my day off. So I thought, well, I'll just drive to Grand Rapids and I'll get the book. I'll spend the afternoon reading it and it'll be fine. And, and by the time I finally found the copy, it was maybe two in the morning. So <laughs> I, I went to bed. I slept, you know, four or five hours. I got up nice and early when Abby woke up. We got dressed. We got in the truck and we started driving. Now, there was snow on the ground at the time. I'm going to give a little bit of, of like background here. Snow on the ground. It's maybe 20 degrees out. And I don't know how many of y'all have been to Michigan. When, when you see photos of Michigan, you generally think forest and pretty. That's because they don't show pictures of Grand Rapids or Detroit. Um, the, they're generally not the nicest places in the world. I mean, there are parts of Grand Rapids that are very pretty, and there are parts of Grand Rapids that you wouldn't go into if you could help it. Um, and as I'm, I'm driving toward Grand Rapids, figuring I'm going to a nice little bookstore, I, I call the place and I leave a message. And then a little while later, I get, you know, my phone didn't ring, but I got the message that popped up. And the guy said, well, hey, call me back. I, we're not really a store, but, well, just give me a call. And I thought, well, that's kind of weird. I saw the photo. They're a store. 
and, and I tried calling back and I got no one and, and I kept driving and finally I, I get to where I'm going. I get to Grand Rapids and, and I take the highway that swings around the west side of the city and, and I'm looking for my exit on the GPS and, and I get off and it is, it's not a place I would park. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not exaggerating. This is a, this is a really rough neighborhood. I, and I'm kind of driving. I've got Abby in her car seat in the back and I'm thinking, I'm going to get shot here, you know, and, and I, I pull up to where the address was and it, I'm not kidding. There's no sidewalks. It's just warehouses up to the streets on all four corners. And I'm thinking, what, what is this? The bookstore looks so nice. <laughs> and, and I, I, you know, I, I circled around a little bit and I, I figured out that the warehouse on this corner here is the one I wanted. Like I came up and it was kitty corner to where I was. And I, I pulled across and into the parking lot that was surrounded by a barbed wire fence. Um, and, and there was graffiti all over the building. Like, and I, I, working at Basher with, with gang members and stuff, I learned to, to pick out little gang symbols and stuff. I could tell you what gangland territory we were in. And, and I, I, I stop and I'm kind of nervous thinking, do I leave my car here? And I, I actually, I had my laptop with me and I, I put my laptop underneath a pile of, of McDonald's trash and stuff so it would be less obvious. And, and I get out and I get Abby out and it is, it is, it's cold. Okay. I mean, very, very cold out. And Abby and I, we go into this place and there's a sign for the bookstore. And oddly enough, there's a sign for a coffee shop. And, and I thought, oh, that's weird, you know, but it's a warehouse. And we go in and, and, and this is a, I don't know, have y'all been in, a real big old warehouse before anybody. They, wooden floors that creak as you walk and, you know, they have like, they had a freight elevator, you know, like you see them in movies with the, the accordion gate. <laughs> and Abby and I are walking along and I, I start looking and, and I can't find this place. I'm literally walking the floors of this building. It's dusty and it's dark. Most of the building doesn't have power. Um, <laughs> and I, I go up level by level and finally I run into a maintenance worker and, and the maintenance worker said, oh, it's on the fifth floor. And, and so we go up to the fifth floor and there's the stairwells because we're, I was afraid to use the elevator. Um, <laughs> the stairwells have graffiti in them and stuff like that. And I'm carrying my baby in her little carrier and, you know, we're, you can see your breath in this building. It's so cold. And I, I finally get to the floor and I'm looking around and at the end there's a big dark warehousey room and I, I go in this room and I encounter a pit bull. <laughs> I'm not making this up. This is, <laughs> I encounter a pit bull and this pit bull is there and he doesn't want me to be there. He's very discouraging and, and this guy, you know, I would have guessed him, I, I'm not trying to be, I would have guessed him homeless. He was pretty roughly dressed and he comes running out and he grabs the dog and he says, I keep him here because it's not a very safe building. He's sort of security. And he locks him in the office, which is the only place in the building that has electricity so far. Um, and, and he says, well, you know, I got your message and I, I didn't hear it because the office has a phone and power, but nowhere else does. And I mean, it's a cavernous room. I mean, absolutely enormous with no power. So it's pitch black. Um, and, and Abby and I stand there as he goes and looks for our book with a mag light. <laughs> and, and, you know, we're standing there and it is really cold and he comes back and he says, I can't find it. <laughs> and he's like, I'm like, can you keep looking please? And he's, well, I'll look a little more. And I said, is there a bathroom? I don't know what I was thinking. Um, he said, oh, it's down the hall. And we go down the hall and the bathroom has a heater in it. It's got electricity, but the heater's chained to a pipe. <laughs> um, we come back and he's standing at the door and he's got my book. 
And I, I, I'm like, well, well, how much, what do you want for? How much? And he's like, ah, 10 bucks is fine. And I mean, literally, I just gave him 10 bucks and I'm walking toward the door ready to leave. You know how you feel relieved to get out of somewhere that doesn't seem like you should be there? And, and I kind of asked him in passing, I said, hey, is there really a place that like distributes coffee in this building? And the guy says, oh, yeah, that place is great. Come on and follow me. And he takes off up the stairs. And, and I honestly thought, I don't want to go up there. I want to go down. I want to leave. And I felt guilty, so I followed him. I'm carrying the baby up the stairs. And we get up to the top of the stairs and into a hallway, and he takes me. You know those, it's like a big steel door with a counterweight to open it? And he slides this big steel door out of the way. And we go into a warehouse room, and there's just junk covered in, in like, boxes and dust and sheets and stuff. And I'm standing in this big, ugly, dusty, dark room and thinking, nothing good could be in this place. Now, hit pause here. Um, Romans is sort of Paul's central theological work, right? If you want to know what Paul believes about who Jesus is and how sin works and how we go to heaven, read the book of Romans, right? And I'm going to summarize a chunk of Romans here. Um, you start 5, 6, and 7. Paul talks about this idea that because we have sin, we're dead, right? Not like we're impaired or we're not able or we stumble a little bit and need a helping hand. Paul literally says that because of the sin in our lives, we're dead, um, some of the language, as I was walking through this warehouse, actually tells you what I think about. And I'm looking at this burnout, dusty, dirty, dead building. This is what I thought. I thought, man, this is a little like what I am with sin, right? I'm empty and I'm, and I'm, I'm just rotting away in my own weight. You leave me to my own way and I'll chase after whatever it is that'll wreck my life. Am I the only guy who does this? You know, I'll find ways to rebel against God that are creative and fun. Um, I'll hurt the people around me. I mean, this is the way sin is for all men. Given our own devices, sin kills us. Um, Paul in Romans goes so far as to say that that sin literally killed him. Um, and when he talks about baptism in Romans, by the way, he says baptism is literally being buried um, in Christ because we're dead in our sins. Um, then Paul talks about the law. He says, hey... The law is a wonderful thing because God gave it to us. We should love the law. The law tells us how to obey God. I sometimes liken the law to like my marriage vows. Any of you guys ever been to a wedding or been married? And and you do the vows and you say, you know, I will love, I will honor, I will do the dishes, I will obey, I won't date other women, I won't hit you, you know, I'll come home at night, those sorts of things. You know, they're guidelines for my relationship with my wife, right? And I agree to them up front. The law is how I'm right before God. Like if I'm going to behave in such a way as to be right before God, I have to follow the law. Everybody with me? And the law is easy, right? Don't kill. Got that one nailed down? Everybody with me? Don't steal. It's a pretty one, pretty easy one not to break, right? Don't, I don't know, commit adultery. I haven't cheated on my wife. I'm in good shape. Don't covet, that's a nasty one. Don't want stuff that don't belong to you. Don't have any other gods other than God. So if I love anything more than I love Jesus, that's another God. If I pick out graven images, stuff that I worship, that I can see that isn't God, that's a problem. 
don't use the name of the Lord in vain. And a lot of times we think name of the Lord in vain is like swearing using God's name, but actually what that's talking about is saying anything associated with God that isn't what God said. So when you see a preacher stand up and say, God says that if you just pray hard enough, you'll definitely get all the money and power you want. You just don't have enough faith. That's taking the name of the Lord in vain because it's saying God says this and God doesn't say it. Everybody with me? Romans says that we break one and that's it. It's not like a curve, right? You know, I just got to commit fewer sins than Larry. Well, maybe not Larry. I should pick someone else. Um, I got to commit fewer sins than Craig and I'm okay. Just as long as I can beat Craig in the door, it, just as long as I stay above the line, you know, I'm not Hitler, so I'm okay. I'm not Craig, so I'm okay. Um, as long as I'm not that bad, what Roman says is one. One is enough. You commit one sin, you violated the law, and you can no longer like earn your way to heaven, right? Um, and when the law is there, what Paul says is Romans uh, 6, sin lo- lives in us, right? And normally it's dormant until the rules come. And then sin, taking advantage of the rules, rebels. So, don't covet. Well, I didn't even know that I wasn't supposed to do that until I saw the law. Once I know I'm not supposed to do it, the first thing sin says in me is, how can I get away with breaking that? Any of you guys ever find that? As soon as you hear a rule, you think, is there a way around that? Is it just me? That's sin. And sin's inclination is always going to be to grab the steering wheel and veer you into oncoming traffic, Right? And Paul says, even when I want to do the right thing, I do the wrong thing. In fact, um, Romans 7 has a great line, what a wretched man I am. Who can save me from this body of death, right? Um, What Paul is talking about there is, I'm miserable because when I try to follow the law, I sin. And this body of death is a punishment from Roman history. This is gross. Okay, so cover your kids' ears. Um, There was a Persian king who, to punish his enemies, would would take the dead bodies of their companions and chain them to to them. Like so, if I fought against this Persian king, he would take one of my fellow soldiers and chain his dead body to me, and I would be forced to live my life with this corpse attached to me. And Paul says, sin is like that in my life. It's like there's this part of me that wants to follow God, but the rest of me is dragging me down. And as soon as I know what the law is, that dead body on my back is going to drag me down. This is my burnout building. This is the life that we live in sin. Now, this guy in the bookstore walks me through this dusty old storeroom. And he gets to this giant set of doors and he slides these doors open and walks me into the, like, it was warm and it smelled like roasting coffee and there were comfortable couches everywhere and Wi-Fi and (laughs) candles on the tables with little flowering plants. I'm not making this up. And there was a man there who was running a coffee shop in this nasty dusty, (laughs) graffiti-covered building, and he was roasting his own coffee. Which, by the way, those of you who were in Sunday school this morning, that's the coffee we drank. Um, It was the bag of coffee I bought there, and it's some of the best coffee I'd ever had in my life. And I, I asked the guy, I'm like, you got tables, there's no way, no way anybody comes here to drink coffee. Because I didn't want to come here, and I needed the book. And and he says to me, he's like, oh, we're only open three days a week for coffee. Like, you know, we're not actually serving coffee today, but but he gave me coffee. Um, and he said, I said, but nobody comes. 
He's like, standing room only. And oftentimes we got people waiting outside. Can you believe that? This one warm, beautiful, alive spot in the middle of this dead, burnt-out building. Which is where Paul ends up in Romans 8. He says, who can save me from this body of death? Thank God for Jesus Christ. Thank God that Jesus Christ died for my sins. So in my heart and in my mind, I will serve. But my body will continue to rebel. Because as long as the law is there, I'm going to rebel. As long as the law is there, I'm going to find a way to to do the wrong thing. But in Christ, there's this part of me that's alive. Part of being a disciple is spreading that, right? You start cleaning up the building. Um, I read a story about a man who was a soldier in, in India. And this is, you know, during the colonial era. And he's walking through a market, and he comes to a vendor who's got pigeons or some kind of bird, and he's got their necks tied together in a circle. And they're all marching in a circle on a barrel head, just marching in a circle. And he's like, man, that's terrible, marching in a circle like that. And he pays the guy, and he cuts the string, and he says, I'm letting them go. And the guy says, don't bother, it's not going to work. And he chases the birds off, and the birds fly about 10 yards down the way, land, and start marching in a circle again. <laughs> and so he walks down there, and he chases the birds off again. And what do they do? They fly 10 yards and march in a circle. And he looks at the store, and he says, what gives? And the guy says, I train them to do it. They'll do that till they starve to death. That's all they know how to do. So our passage for the week, I mean, there's a long way to get there, is Galatians. Um, Paul is writing in Galatians 5, 1, if you want to hunt it down, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. What Paul is saying right out of the gate, it's for freedom that Christ set us free. Jesus died for us because if it comes to me following the Ten Commandments to get to heaven, I'm hosed. If I have to earn my way into heaven, I'm a slave to the law because my sin kills me. I'm a slave to sin. I'm a slave to death. I'm a slave to the law. There's no way to heaven through the law. Paul says, listen, Christ died for you. You believed in him. You're free. Um, and he says, don't go back to it. Behold, I, Paul, say that if you receive circumcision... Christ will be of no benefit to you. So now what's going on is this church in Galatia, there was a group of people who were coming into the church and saying, look, Jesus was Jewish. So you really got to follow the law to go to heaven because that's what's expected. And first things first, you got to be circumcised. And Paul's saying, listen, if you follow the law, you can't do it. It'd be a little like me getting my cup of coffee in this coffee shop, saying, man, this coffee's delicious. I'm going to go sit in the hallway and drink it because I'm pretty sure that's where I'm supposed to be. I'm going to go out and I'm going to try and enjoy the dead part of my life. That's where I'm going to live. Forget this Jesus thing. Let's see if I can do it myself. But people are inclined to do that sometimes, right? It's hard to think, well, I'm saved by grace. I'm saved because Jesus died for me. I'm forgiven just because I'm forgiven. We oftentimes want to go back to it. Sorry, I lost my page there. Um, And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. So Paul says, if you think you're going to earn your way to salvation through keeping one part of the law, understand it's the whole thing. Not just being circumcised, which Jews had to be circumcised. It was part of being part of the covenant, right? So he says, you buy into that, it's yours, and you're stuck. And you're stuck for life. That's how you're getting there. Um, but that means a perfect track record, right? It, 
It's impossible for man because we're tainted by sin. Um, you have been severed from Christ. You who are seeking to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, but faith working through love. Okay, now catch this. He's saying, listen, if you've been circumcised, like because you think you're going to earn your way into heaven, that circumcision, it doesn't mean nothing. What's going on is in your heart. If your heart says, I'm going to earn my way to heaven, you you better be prepared to actually do it. And if you got sin in your past, you're not going to be able to do it. He says, circumcision doesn't mean anything if we have faith. Faith is what saves us. Faith is what cleans us up in the long run. Um, we're saved by faith through grace. I, I once went to a church, um, honestly, to interview for a job. This is a while back. And I, I was interviewing with the elders at this church. And I asked them, I said, what do you guys believe about sin? And every one of them. Every one of them said to me, oh, I don't sin anymore. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and and now the, the previous pastor had left because he had run off with a Sunday school teacher. And he had preached for quite a while that he didn't sin anymore. <laughs> but he ran off with a Sunday school teacher. Now, here's the trick. They would say, well... I don't sin anymore, but then when they begin to struggle, who confesses that they've started sinning after they've said they don't sin, right? So once I say sin isn't in my life, I have to obey the law. So this pastor, he starts getting in trouble. He can't confess his sin because he's got to stick with the law. Um, if I believe I'm going to earn my way there, I darn well better find a way to hide my sin so God doesn't see it, Right? And actually, I found out how that was because I talked to one of the elders about a month later. And he said to me, he's like, I think your problem is you don't understand sin right. What you would call a sin, we'd call a mistake. <laughs> and I, I laughed at him. I thought, oh, my gosh, what are you talking about? You can't say it's a mistake. It's sin. Sin is sin. Um, but the only way for us to get around it is to lower the bar, right? Or to accept grace. But some folks would rather do it themselves. It's just so hard to take something as a gift, isn't it? It's so hard. Um, even when we talk about discipleship, we say, well, if you're going to follow Jesus, you've got to stop sinning, right? Because it's, I'm pretty sure you can't sin. And like, it's, it's not like I can go out and get drunk every night and still say, oh, well, I'm, you know, <laughs> here I am. You know, I can't go out and cheat on my wife all the time and say, yeah, but Jesus has forgiven me. You know, there's a line there somewhere, right? What happens is, through the Spirit, God cleans me up. I, I think it was practically a miracle that I found a coffee shop in this burnout old warehouse. I bet I could look in a hundred burnout old warehouses, I wouldn't find another one, right? It was unique. Us being born again, us being made new in our hearts and minds is a product of the Spirit. And that spreads. We're forgiven in Christ. We're made to be without sin, but it's an already but not yet, right? Already but not yet. I'm already clean. I'm already forgiven, but I'm not quite there yet. I gotta keep working because I won't get there until I reach heaven. Already not yet. And every day we crucify ourselves. That's Paul again. Paul says every day we have to crucify our flesh. Take this part of you that wants to sin and pray. Take this part of you and, and bring it before the Lord. Not take this part of you and work really, really, really hard to not sin anymore because that's not how you do it. Because oftentimes the harder we work, the worse sin will get us. Because it's only the Spirit that can overcome my weakness. 
Um, one of the examples I would point to, anybody ever quit smoking or drinking or anything that you've ever been addicted to? That is horrible, horrible, because um, oftentimes we say, well, I just got to, you know, it's simple enough, just don't drink anymore, right? Just don't smoke anymore. But it's not quite that easy because you slip into automatic pilot. I remember when I quit smoking and I'd be like driving home from work and I'd stop at a gas station to get gas and, you know, five minutes later I'd be in the car driving home and I'd be lighting a cigarette. I'm like, where'd that come from? <laughs> like I went into automatic pilot. I didn't even think about it. Um, AA is based on the scriptures. Like originally AA was a Bible study. And where AA started was um, a guy named Dr. Bob who figured out that he couldn't fix his problem himself and he needed God to do it for him. And so the first step is admit that you can't control your own life. Admit you can't overcome your own sin. Second step is give control to God. And this is how we overcome sin in our lives. Admit that you can't stop. Admit that you can't refrain from sin and then allow God to take over. Um, otherwise, we end up like the bird walking in a circle, right? Oh, I'll just try harder next time. I fly five yards down the way and I start walking in my circle. I'll overcome my gossip. How many, like, anybody gossip? Paul includes gossip in the list of sins that are like, don't cheat on your wife, don't worship idols, don't gossip. We don't take that one that seriously. But it's easy to slip into without thinking about it, right? Plus, it's fun. Um, <laughs> but we fall back into it because sin grabs us. Um, well, I just need to try harder. If you try harder, you're just going to try harder at failing. Because it's the spirit that moves and changes us. Um, over the next four weeks, um, starting next week and on, we're going to talk about how we can be disciples, how discipleship helps us overcome sin. This is our next series. It'll be bearing good fruit. But fruit that comes in our lives comes as a product of the spirit moving. It comes as a product of the Holy Spirit moving into the dead, burnt-out hulk of a warehouse that we are and lighting a light and putting on some coffee and making us alive and new and warm again. Um, it's the only way to get there. Freedom, as we come off of the 4th of July and celebrate freedom, freedom can only really be found in Christ, because otherwise we're slave to our own sin. We're slave to our own desires. Um, in, in Christ, we can overcome sin. Um, my challenge for you this week, as I kind of close up, my challenge for you is to is to look at your own life, to look at your heart, to spend time this week praying and, and considering, look at where you're still like in chains. We all carry sin. Sin is there. You know, we envy, we lust, we hide little things. Like, where do you still have your sins? Where is the Spirit convicting you to move? Um, over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about how to beat that out, how to walk in the Spirit and overcome sin, um, how to become like Christ in how we do things. But it's got to begin. It's got to begin by taking inventory, right? If I walk through the warehouse and I got my eyes closed and I got, you know, my snowsuit on and I'm not paying attention how cold and nasty it is and I finally get into the coffee shop and I'm like, it's great in here. And I ignore the rest of the building. That's crazy, right? We have to recognize and deal because becoming like Christ begins with sanctification. Um, and it all begins by opening our eyes, even praying, Spirit, show me where I can be more like you. Um, we're going to close in prayer.